Before we get started on today's show, I want to tell you guys about the Colorado Hawks. You probably saw us wearing those Jokic for MVP shirts on the post-game show a couple weeks ago. If you want to pick one up, you can go to JokicForMVP.com, and all the proceeds for those shirts go back to the Colorado Hawks. And if you don't know who the Colorado Hawks are, they are an affordable athletic program that's never turned away an athlete for costs right here in Colorado. They're celebrating their 25th anniversary of helping high-level athletes win college scholarships. And they're all about the kids, so the proceeds for those shirts at JokicForMVP.com go back to the program, go back to helping kids play sports at a really high level here in Colorado. So check them out, JokicForMVP.com. All right, guys, welcome into an impromptu uh, DNB Live emergency recording of the DMVR Nuggets podcast. Uh, Harrison Wind here, along with Brendan Vogt. Good morning, man. Good morning, Harrison. Um, not a great morning for Nuggets fans today, uh, for Jamal Murray and his teammates, I- I'm sure. But uh, I don't think either of us were surprised by this. I know I wasn't. Yeah, so I mean... We were speculating about this on the post-game show last night. For those of you who uh, tuned in, this looked serious when it happened. Um, it honestly reminded me of the this injury that Derrick Rose had when he tore his ACL, whenever that was back in 2008. I, I don't even remember, 2009, 2010. Um, it was a similar type of action, like a similar type of play to be quite honest. And I thought it was a torn ACL when it happened. Obviously, I didn't want to jump to conclusions. You were hoping for the best. Michael Malone said after the game last night that some of his assistants were kind of hoping it was only a hyperextension. And if you remember, Joel Embiid had that hyperextension um, a little bit ago that looked really serious, and it turned out to only be a hyperextension. But it's a torn ACL. Um, Jamal Murray's out for the rest of the year. He's going to be out. I believe, or I think he's going to likely be out a couple months into next season as well, depending on how long this rehab takes. So uh, it's a shitty situation. Um, There's really no way to spin it. It's a brutal, brutal blow. Absolutely crushing. Yeah, I mean, that, I really thought about the Embiid injury right away, and, and I was hoping it was that deal. You know, one one reason why I wasn't in a rush to get on Twitter and and declare what I thought I saw from replay uh, but it didn't look good, non-contact. And, um, you know, it's going to be like the bummer really is that it happened, you know, so late in the season, not just for this, obviously, these season's implications, but, you know, how how it might cost Jamal some time next year as well. Um, so it's devastating, man. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll talk about what, what comes next, right? Season isn't over. Jamal yeah. Murray isn't dead. He's a competitor. He's going to rehab his knee. Um and yeah, like nothing's definitively closed yet in terms of windows or anything like that, but we don't have to sugarcoat it. It's, it's devastating. Yeah. So, I mean, let's talk about Jamal a little bit because like injuries suck. Injuries are a part of the game. They're what happened. Tim Conley says this all the time. Like injuries are just a part of the game. Like these things happen, but man, does it absolutely suck? Does it absolutely suck for this to happen to Jamal Murray um, when he was on the verge of going back to the playoffs and trying to back up what he did in the bubble last postseason? When these Nuggets were on the verge of 
what really had the feel over the last month or so of a dream season, especially over the last couple of weeks after they got Aaron Gordon to the trade deadline, the timing of this man, injuries suck. They happen, but my God, the, the timing is just uh, absolutely brutal. Yeah. I mean, before you, obviously we're all thinking about, you know, what this does for the team and timelines. But for me personally, the first place my head went was, you know, like Jamal really doesn't deserve this. Uh, he he played his heart out in that bubble. Shortest offseason in professional sports history uh, comes back and, and, you know, really had to had to grind to get back to that level. And he did it. I mean, you can tell he's exhausted physically, mentally. You know what he's fighting for alongside his teammates. And look, this was a guy that was breaking into stardom and and entering his prime. And he'll still have one. You know, it's it's 2021. Medical science has come a long way. We know he's the kind of guy who who we can trust to to attack his rehab. But just for him, you're bummed because this was a guy who was good enough uh, and was putting in the work to to change things for an organization that uh, had really embraced him. Yeah. And if you think about Murray's season, like he started off slow. He's always been a slow starter. And I think a big reason for his slow start this year was because of the bubble. And I don't think we're ever going to truly understand how much of a physical and mental toll the bubble was on a lot of guys, particularly Jamal Murray. I wrote this as that Lakers series is wrapping up, but Jamal Murray was running a 10K every other day in the bubble with the fact that the NBA's playoff schedule was every other day. He was expending an incredible amount of energy. I believe he finished fourth in total minutes in the bubble and the Nuggets didn't even play in the finals. That, and then he had the two-month off season where based on his comments, he didn't really seem like he did much basketball-wise. He said after the All-Star break, he needed to take, you know, the entire All-Star break off. He didn't touch a ball the entire All-Star break. I really got the feel with Jamal. And there were even times during the regular season where we would ask him, oh, are you concerned about the Nuggets? Are you worried about, you know, you guys are around a 500 team in February? And he would laugh it off. Jamal Murray really gave off the impression that his entire goal this season was just to get to the playoffs. Yeah, and I think what he did last year in those playoffs, like, you really saw, I think, like a sense of fulfillment in a human being beyond there was basketball fulfillment. But even in his comments after the game, like it was it was filling a hole in him, you know, at that time when times were really hard for people all around the country, especially um, especially black people. And and it filled a hole for him on and off the court. So like this is something that was taken away from him. And it's a bummer. He'll be back out there. Uh, he'll get another shot. Um, but this was a year where everyone was feeling like they were good enough. And I'm with you. I think Jamal was was right up there and he was he was waiting to, to see what they could do yeah I mean I'm just I'm just upset that I'm not gonna be able to watch him in the playoffs yeah. because throughout his career man even in his second season against the Oklahoma City Thunder on national TV the game that Gary Harris hit that game winner you know the Gary shot the shot as it's called in that game Jamal Murray <laughs> uh absolutely broke Steven Adams's ankles in that game that was really one of the first games where Jamal Murray really broke out and showed signs that he could become a star. He has always risen to the national stage if the Nuggets were playing on. He has always raised his game in those big moments. He had a really great playoff debut in 2019 that not a lot of people talk about. He was batting game seven against Portland, but he was really, really solid for that being his playoff debut. And then last year, we all know what he did, a historic run in the bubble. 
He is such a big game player. That kills me. I, I feel for him because you know how much he was looking forward to that. And he's just not going to be able to, to display his talents on the biggest stage. And I mean, I mean, that's probably what kills me most right now. Yeah. And you can see the reaction online today, obviously um, pervades far beyond Nuggets nation. I mean, there are basketball fans all over that are, are really bummed to see this, you know, Lakers fans, Clippers fans, who I'm sure did not want to see Jamal Murray again. Um, even more bummed to see that, that, that no one will see him at all now. Um, Cause it was so fun what he did last year. So you know, I was expecting more of the same, to be honest. Maybe not that level, but something similar. I was expecting him to to look like a leader and look like a guy who who was, you know, a 16-game player. So it'll be a long wait till we get to see him in that in that spot again. And um, it's tough, man. It's tough for Jamal. It's tough for the team. Yeah. I want to talk about what kind of ramifications this might have for the team, um, how I think there could be an opportunity for a bit of a galvanizing moment. Um, to be quite honest, what this means for Michael Porter Jr., we're going to get to that. What this means for Nicole Jokic, what this means for Aaron Gordon, uh, how he can help fill the void, and, and what some realistic playoff hopes are for this team. In the interim, though, in the interim, we know Jamal Murray's out for the rest of the season. Denver has been rumored to be interested in some free agents out there. A uh, friend of the show, Mike Singer, we talked about this last night on the pregame and postgame show, but he reported that the Nuggets could be interested in Austin Rivers, Troy Daniels, Gerald Green. It would seem to me, reading the tea leaves, that Jamal Murray's injury kind of changes the calculation there. Do you think there's going to be more of a immediate push to sign somebody in the wake of this injury? I mean, it, it fair to expect, right? Doesn't Austin Rivers just seem so much more likely now? Um, a, a scoring guard, probably the best of that bunch that was mentioned. Um, and obviously not nowhere near a Murray approximate, but down, down a scoring guard, they're probably going to need to pick one up here. You know, as far as starters go, I'm, I'm fairly certain they just slide Monte in and, and that's the right move. But um, yeah, you're going to want to try to add some punch off the bench if you can. And, and Rivers makes more sense now than ever, in my opinion. What do you think? He probably does. And I said on the pregame show last night that he's the best player out of those three, out of Gerald Green, Troy Daniels, and Austin Rivers. He's the best player out of those three, but the worst fit. That was with a healthy Jamal Murray. He's probably a much better fit now, obviously, um, now that Jamal is out. Um, look, I, I still don't think it, it's something that's going to move the needle. Yeah, Could it help? In a playoff game, yes, there's obviously a much greater chance an Austin Rivers could help in a playoff game now uh, than he would have before Jamal got injured. I mean, he's the type of playmaking guard that can just make stuff happen. Uh, he's kind of Will Barton uh, in a sense. He's kind of P.J. Dozier in a sense. So Denver, I feel like, would have an influx of those guys. There'd be some overlap there, but I mean – now, at this point, you just might be looking for another guy who could make stuff happen. Yeah, I mean, you're just looking to add talent, right, uh, any way you can. And I do think I at least, I at least view him that way as the talented guy of that bunch. So, um, yeah, but you're, not, you're just not going to replace Jamal Murray, not even close. So what can you do? You know, what? there's no reason not to. There's still an MVP guy at the helm there, uh, front runner in Jokic and, and, and Porter and Gordon and Barton. So – they're going to enter these playoffs 
with good players and they're going to try to win. And so I think you look at Austin rivers as a guy with talent that maybe can help. Um, but it, it's, it's still certainly a down bad situation. Yeah. I mean, just looking at Austin rivers, stats, he played 21 games, the Knicks this year, 7.3 points, 43% from the field, 36 and a half percent from three. I mean, a guy with those numbers, and I don't think Austin Rivers is regarded as like an elite defender. I think he's an, a good defender. He could be a fine defender. He's cool. experienced. Uh, he's got a lot of minutes under his belt. He certainly knows what he's doing out there. But I don't think typically a guy with those numbers would get run on the Nuggets. But, I mean, hey, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world to to pick him up. And, and I would think that, yes, now that this injury has happened, there's uh, more of a, there's an increased urgency, um, I would say, to to sign somebody. Vote. What do you think this means for um, the rest of the guys on this roster? Now, I'll let you take your pick: MPJ, Nikola Jokic, Aaron Gordon, Monte Morris. I mean, for one of those guys, whoever you want to start with, what does it mean for them? I think we can start with Jokic, who was looking all around exhausted. I think the last week or two. Um, yeah, obviously the team had been cruising. He was playing well, but you, we can all see it. I think maybe a creeping, uh, either frustration or exhaustion, uh, you know, just sort of all the stuff that comes with being a Jokic that, you know, it's been a learning process for him to embrace that. I think the wheels got a little loose the last week or two. And, you know, if he was growing tired, it's not going to get any easier now, right. As the leader and the best player, um, so much is on his shoulders so much more than even before. So, you know, I think first, Jokic and Porter, obviously, biggest implications are for them, but but so much falls on Jokic's shoulders here. Yeah, and I think I, I think, and I really wonder if if this could be a moment where Nikola Jokic refocuses. You know, like you said, he he seemed a little fried over the last couple of games. It's perfectly understandable with the load he's had to take on this year. Uh, just how hectic and how streamlined this season has been this regular season, unlike any other. Um, I I wonder if this can be an opportunity for him to refocus and say, all right, like it's really up to me now. Um, I don't have Jamal Murray to fall back on if he's really having a good night and I can just look to set him up. Um, I've really got to step my game up and get back to where I was. Um, a week ago because it's only been a couple games where Jokic just really looked like this. So I, I wonder if this could be a little bit of a refocusing moment for him. And, you know, I wonder if he just turns it back on the, the flip side of that is, you know, defenses probably have more of a refined strategy against the Nuggets right now. Double teaming Jokic without Jamal Murray out there will probably be the default strategy. So there's, you know, that uh, other side of the coin. Yeah, and so uh, Monte Morris is going to have to be uh, some sort of catch-and-shoot threat here. Obviously, Will Barton will have to be consistent. Um, That'll trickle down down the line. You're definitely right about that. Game planning for Jokic is so much easier. Game planning for Denver in the fourth quarter, right? I mean, it's it's just going to be about making anyone other than Jokic beat you. Um, So it's tough. You look at Porter and... Man, we talked about how... We've talked all year about how fast he's had to grow up. yeah. And it's that's all accelerated even more now. I mean, what a what a first couple of years, handful of years in the NBA for this kid who will now have to maybe who will try to try to be the second best player on a title team um, 
well, just three months ago, it was like, hey, can he learn how to play defense? So the talent's there. Um, and I'm sure he believes in himself, but this is he's got pressure too. He's got pressure too now. Yeah, this is a massive test for Michael Porter Jr. And it, it's pretty it's pretty crazy how this whole year he has been refining his game to fit alongside Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and, and he's refined it beautifully. I mean, I've written about how he's kind of become the Nuggets version of Klay Thompson. He has been and fit into and played the perfect offensive role next to Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. It's really been a commendable uh, direction that he's gone with his offensive game. Because I can assure you, it was not easy for Michael Porter Jr. to fit into this third offensive role. It was not easy. But he's done it perfectly. His chemistry with Nikola Jokic right now is in such a different place from where it was at the beginning of the season. Those two have a great synergy with one another. But now, now I wonder if he's kind of got to pivot his game again to be that more default number one, number two offensive guy. And it's a different thing. It's a different thing. And we've seen, you know, in those last games without Murray and even a little bit last night with him back, like different approach from Porter, you know, uh, a second best player approach, if you will. And it bore less fruit. Like it, it wasn't, you know, to some extent he was chucking. Now, I think he's going to hit a lot of these shots that he's been missing. Uh, and they definitely need him to just get them up now. You know, you want him to take smart shots as much as possible. But, you know, in the playoffs, it comes down to like the defense knows where we're going. We know where the defense is going. Can we make tough shots? And for Jamal and Jokic, it was a resounding yes. And that's why that team went to the conference finals. It's got to be a yes for Porter now as well, who um, who will have more attention on him in the postseason for sure. I assume, and I'd be pretty surprised if this didn't happen, but Monte Morris will definitely step into the starting lineup, I would have to think. Uh, I know Faku Camposo has been starting these last couple of games, and Monte asked to come off the bench um, kind of in an effort to get back into his normal six-man role with the understanding that Jamal Murray was coming back like he did last night uh, for really the entire game until his last 50 seconds. I would have to think that Monte Morris is now the Nuggets starting point guard, right? Yeah, I, I, that's that's yeah. the case, I think. I mean, that would be the right decision. Um, Monte is a much better option than Faku Campasso there, even though like Faku played the best defense out of anybody on Steph Curry last night. Uh, I actually played pretty good defense at times. Um, but yeah, Montes, I, I think, will be the choice to be that starter. He's solid defensively. He's a good outside shooter. He can run his team. He can play Jokic ball. And, you know, Brendan, I would not be surprised if the Nuggets offense, maybe it drops off a little bit, but I still think they can be a top five offense with Monte Morris at the starting point guard position. Yeah. I mean, anytime you put a traditional point guard alongside Jokic, then you give them athletes and Porter and Gordon and shooters and Barton and Porter. Yeah. It's a blueprint for a very, very potent offense. That'll be okay. I think, I mean, it's, you know, like it's not the same in the conference finals and the fourth quarter. It's yeah. not the same at all. Like we, I just said, it's going to be about that tough shot making and you take Murray all day long. Um, Across a series of frost, across four quarters, I think the offensive rating will be okay. Monte's played better defense this last few games. You know, he's typically game for that challenge, but it's just he's not very big. And like last year in the playoffs, so many times I felt like he was in the right position and it didn't matter. So 
Um, you know, that that sort of like switchable thing uh, and and sort of upgraded team defense they were they were feeling like they were entering. It's probably all different now with Monte there, right? Yeah. And like quite honestly, without Murray there, with Monte there, there's going to be some vibes that are similar to like the Utah 7 game or when the undermanned Nuggets beat the Bucks when they had like barely lost at home all year last year or even this year when Denver's been undermanned. I think we could see some effect uh, like to that where Denver, and this is going to seem crazy to say, but the ball's still going to get popping, I, I believe at least. Um, Jamal Murray is an incredible player, but the ball stops at times when he's on the floor and the Nuggets are running their offense. Monte Morris is going to keep that ball moving. Faku Kampas is going to keep that ball moving. So I think the Nuggets offense is going to be fine. Um, now, will they be a better playoff offense? I don't think so. Because like you were saying, in the playoffs, a lot of times it just boils down to who can get you a bucket when you really need a bucket. And the Jokic-Murray two-man game in the playoffs is maybe the most reliable go-to offensive action in the league. That's going to be debilitating. Uh, the Nuggets not having that in their back pocket is absolutely crushing. Um, but from a regular season standpoint, I think the offense can be okay. Yeah, definitely. And step right at Porter now with that Porter-Jokic two-man game that was blossoming, getting a lot of attention, right? We've been talking about it lately, and it's now a focal point. I mean, he there is something there. The given goes, he's a comfortable shooter out of a DHO, even if he isn't much of a ball handler. Yeah. Um, they, they figured some stuff out. But it, it just isn't the same as what's been the staple and the ultimate failsafe for this team for, for three years now. Yeah. And the two-man game is obviously huge. Like, it was really the Nuggets' identity last season. It was the Nuggets' offensive identity in the bubble, the Jokic-Murray two-man game. But there's so many other aspects of the offense where Jamal Murray helps out. I forget which visiting coach said this. Um, the other game. I don't know if it was Steve Clifford before the Magic game. I don't know if it was Stan Van Gundy before a Pelicans game a couple games ago. I'm not sure. But one of them was talking about how the Nuggets used Jamal Murray as the screener and invert so many of their actions. Jamal is a really underrated screener. And a lot of times in the Nuggets offense, he'll screen for Jokic, you know, instead of the other way around. He'll screen for Aaron Gordon. Great point. And the backstory on this is Jamal actually grew up playing center for a portion of his like youth basketball career. He was always really tall. So he's a good screener. He knows how to screen and he can surprise some bigs. And the tough part about defending those actions is now you've got the point guard who Jamal is, who, who's guarding Jamal and Jamal is saying the screen, the point guard doesn't know how to play defense on that. The center's uh, just thrown out of whack because he's not used to a point guard screening him. Right. Right. That dynamic of the Nuggets offense has been so valuable. It's been one of the Nuggets' biggest tools. That's gone as well. That's something you don't think about that, but that's just gone now. It's a phenomenal point, man. And if you know, for anyone who's seen like Adam Mars's list since Aaron Gordon got to town, big part of what they're doing to get everyone shots here, right? Uh, but Gordon specifically, uh, in some of those actions, you know, like you, you get the horn set and Murray sets the back screen. And what do you do? You either trail Gordon with a lane to the rim. You switch your three onto Murray or your or your one onto Gordon, or your four, whatever it is. 
I mean, it unlocked so much for them. That's just one example, but it, it, you're right. Like without him, uh, it's not just the scoring element. I mean, a lot of what they did on offense involved him um, as a screener, as a cutter, uh, as a threat, right? Just gravity. So it, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it changes everything. Oh, do you think Aaron Gordon can be due for a little bit more of an increase in his offensive usage right now? Because, you know, Aaron Gordon in Orlando is averaging, you know, around 12 shots a game. He's averaging eight shots a game in Denver. Could he be in for a a little bit of an increase here? I mean, I think everyone will be naturally, right? I don't know how much you want, like – to mitigate this by just putting the ball in his hands. Do you want to get him shots? Sure. You know, but ideally those are like looks at the rim via Jokic passes like they were. It's not, you know, every now, I think two to three times a game, maybe he can break down a mismatch, make some really cool plays, but that's not really, I think, optimizing um, uh, this offense. So I, I don't know, man. I'm not sure if I view Gordon that way. What about you? I, I don't view him as a guy who, you're going to want taking, you know, two ISOs a game now up from zero. I I think the Nuggets key to success without Jamal Murray is to get the ball popping, to get the ball movement, play that equal opportunity brand of basketball that they play when they're at their best. And in that system, I I think Aaron Gordon could be just naturally due for some more shots. Um, But He's just going to have to play his role. And a big part of that is going to be knocking down the three. Um, I put some of these stats out on Twitter yesterday, and they're a little uh, adjusted for last night's game because I believe Aaron Gordon hit a three or two last night. Um, Yeah, he went one or two from three last night. But with the Nuggets, Aaron Gordon shooting seven to 23 from three. Uh, That's 30.4%. He was shooting 37.5% in Orlando. So he just has not really been able to find his rhythm from three. And the thing about that Orlando shooting percentage, Gordon's, he was shooting 37.5% from three total. He was shooting 40% from three on catch and shoot threes, though. And if you look at his shot breakdown in Denver so far, he's taken 23 three-pointers total, 22 of those have been catch and shoot threes and they all, they all have been open or wide open per NBA.com. Every that's, single uh, four feet or more. Is that how yeah. that's designated? With the closest yes. defender four feet away or more. So he's getting wide open shots. He's getting catch and shoot shots. The exact type of three pointers that the nuggets want him to be taking. He's just not hitting him right now. So um, it, it seems kind of simple. He's just going to have to start hitting some more threes. This was going to be a factor in the playoffs prior to this news, right? I mean, you talked about helping Jokic. Where does the help come from? I think maybe a lot of teams would 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 help off Gordon if you really look at that starting five as it was healthy. Um, you know, he's a devastating cutter, but he had he's certainly the guy you would want to make take the catch and shoot over Barton, Porter, Murray. Um, it's going to be more so of a factor now, and. Yeah, I would anticipate help coming from him at times to Jokic's man. I would anticipate teams just kind of sort of packing the paint a little bit um, and not necessarily fearing that shot. He can hit some shots, but he's not a runoff guy, as Jokic has described Porter in the past. And that that will matter, like everything else, that will matter even more now. Yeah. 
and it's it's so important for him to hit those threes, like you were saying, because he is going to be left open. And it's the one concern I have about Gordon in a playoff environment. Like I can I can just imagine a first round matchup against the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, maybe that's not going to come to fruition anymore. Um, even though before last night it seemed like the Nuggets and Lakers were on a collision course to meet in the first round. But if the Nuggets and Lakers did meet in a series, I can just imagine LeBron James guarding Aaron Gordon and just if Gordon's in the corner, not even leaving the paint. Sure. I can imagine LeBron making Aaron Gordon beat him from three. And can he? Like, yeah, he's shown the ability to hit catch and shoot shots in the past, even as early as, as this season in Orlando, he hasn't with the nuggets. So he's just going to have to knock those down. Now, one thing though, I will say that's different from him, you know, from like a Tory Craig, right. Who we might've talked about in a similar way in this role, almost in the past, Gordon can be a threat without shooting. Like, is he going to capitalize on that space for timely cuts? Right. Is he going to read the timing of, of that help and be able to help Jokic accordingly? He's got ways to stay valuable as an offensive player without necessarily knocking down shots, but this, this will happen. He will be open. Yeah. No, that's a good point. He's for how active he's been as a cutter. And I've been pretty impressed with him as a cutter so far. He's probably just going to have to be even more active. He's going to have to be moving even more without the ball. He's not going to be able to wait for, you know, the, the Murray Jokic two man game and just be chilling in the corner in the dunker spot. He's going to have to, just kind of be more involved in the ebbs and flows of Denver's offense. So I'm curious to see how his game kind of adjusts as well. Before we get back to the show, guys, I want to remind you to pick up some Mile High City Copper Lager if you're looking for a beer to sip on during a Nuggets game this week. Mile High City Copper is an awesome option. It's a great tasting beer. You can also think about the Nuggets while you're drinking it. It's got that Skyline Nuggets blue can with the Nuggets logo on it. We drink them at the bar all the time. Uh, again, like I said, a great beer to sip on during Nuggets games. Pick up the Mile High City Copper Lager from the Breckbrew Farmhouse, or you can pick them up from your local liquor store as well. Also, guys, if you haven't checked out Manscaped, you're missing out on life-changing products. Head to manscaped.com right now. Use code DNVR to get 20% off your order. That's an exclusive discount only available to dnvr podcast listeners use the code dnvr at manscaped.com for 20 percent off what i would recommend what i have and what i use the perfect package you get the lawnmower 3.0 you get two free gifts with the perfect package right now for manscaped as well you get the shed traveler bag a 39 dollars value and like i've said before maybe the best and most versatile product that manscaped puts out you can use that travel bag for anything you also get patented, high-performance, reduced chafing Manscaped boxers. So head to manscaped.com, use the code DNVR, get 20% off your order plus free ship- plus free shipping. That's code DNVR at manscaped.com, 20% off with free shipping. Also, before we get back to the show, I want to throw a DraftKings pick of the week at you guys. I know Boston's a little hot right now. Jason Tatum's feeling himself. And I just saw on DraftKings, on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, they've got an odds boost for Jason Tatum to score 25 points and the Celtics to win tonight. It's plus 235. I'm taking it for my DraftKings pick of the week. I don't want to root for the Celtics. I don't like the Celtics. I don't want to root for Jason Tatum. I don't like Jason Tatum. But they're playing the Portland Trailblazers, who you guys know, listeners, 
listeners of the podcast know, I think are one of the more overrated teams in the league. I don't think they're that good. And the Celtics are feeling themselves. Jason Tatum's feeling himself. So I'm going with that prop bet as my DraftKings pick of the week. All right, welcome back to the DNVR Nuggets podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Make sure to use code DNVR when you sign up. Anybody else that you could see taking on a bigger role? I mean, Will Barton, he's probably going to have more offensive responsibility now. Um, PJ Dozier, you know, we always joke how it's MV, MVPJ. He's always looking for his offensive game. He's always looking for a shot. They might need some more offense from him now too. Yeah, uh, but how about Facundo Campazzo, Harrison, who I think was probably out of the playoff rotation or at least in that discussion of guys who might be out of that rotation. Now I think you expect him to play, right? I mean, we'll see what Denver does in terms of the bio market, uh, but even still, just based off, you know, from a bird's eye view, from a distance, Malone's apparent relationship with Faku and how much he believes in him, I think he's back in things now, back in the full swing of things. Um, so that's that's one player I think who who's going to have a little bit more on his plate now. That's a good point. Um, Faku's coming off two really good games, actually. And, and look, I've been harsh on Faku, but I've really liked how he's played these last two um, against Boston. I thought he was really good, uh, even though the Nuggets lost that game. Obviously, Faku was a plus one. Yep, Denver outscored Boston by one point when he was on the floor. Fourteen points. Three of three from three-point range, four assists against Boston in 33 minutes. And then last night against the Warriors, I thought he was pretty good as well. Uh, 21 minutes, two of two from three, six points. He was a plus 12, a team high plus 12. It's the best plus minus mark on Denver. Four threes. threes. Yeah, two assists, zero turnovers. Yeah, he's hitting his threes now. Um, He's hot from three at this (laughs) moment. We'll see if that stays, but – that kind of changes everything with him, I feel like, because he's going to be wide open. He's going to be wide open really on every possession if he wants to take that three. I, I think something clicked for him in this last week or two. It just sort of looked like he's realized that in the NBA, if he's not a threat to score at all, um, then even his playmaking is just severely mitigated. And I, I think he's starting to learn that. Um, and honestly, the easiest way for him to score is going to be taking and making open threes especially from the corner. So that's a good sign. Um, you know, I don't think, like what you said, like Monte will start. I don't really think like adding Faku into this mix is necessarily like now things are great again. Um, but, hey, he's playing better. And, and so there's a silver lining standpoint there for, for Faku fans and, and Argentinian fans of, of Faku. I, I think he's back in the mix. Yeah, I, I have to agree, particularly with how he's played over these last couple games. He, he's definitely going to be in the mix 20-plus minutes uh, per game. I'd be surprised if he played anything less than that. Um, vote. what do you think are realistic playoff hopes for Denver now? I mean, it's really tough because it's looking increasingly like they're headed towards a Lakers first round. And without Murray, I think there are st- – like if they're playing Dallas or, or Portland or something first round without Murray, I would still pick Denver personally. Um, yeah. But – Definitely not going to do that in a Lakers series. Probably wasn't going to pick them anyway, unless Braun and AD looked pretty rough coming back from injury. So um, first round Lakers with no Jamal Murray. There's no point in writing this team off. They have Jokic, they have Porter, they have Gordon, they have good players on this basketball team, and they're not going to give up. So we'll see. But 
you can't sugarcoat this, man. Like you can back this all the way out to how many teams in NBA history can, would still contend for a title if they lost their second best player. And I yeah. think if there are any teams on that list, it's a very, very short one. Yeah. I mean, it's tough because really over these last couple of weeks, I felt like the Nuggets for the first time since I've been covering this team and it's been for the last five seasons. For the first time, I've genuinely felt like they can win a championship. Yeah. I've never felt like that before. I did not feel like that last year. I felt like that over the last couple of weeks, though. After they got Aaron Gordon, how seamlessly he fit into this thing, how it was apparent from the jump that he was really willing to buy into such a secondary and tertiary and distant offensive option. And he was fine, not really getting a ton of touches, a ton of shots. The second I saw that and the second I saw him really play some impressive defense on Kawhi Leonard in that win over the Clippers, I thought this team could win the championship. I really did. I don't think they can win the championship now. I don't think they can with Jamal Murray. That doesn't mean they can't go on a run, though. Right. I still think they can go on a run. They have the best player in the league. They have the MVP of the league. They have some really talented playmakers and offensive players around him. I I think there's a chance they can still go on a run. They'll need things to go their way. They'll need Jokic to play out of his mind. Uh, They'll need Will Barton to be better than he's been. Uh, they'll need everybody to step up. Um, but I'm with you that you can't just bury this team. You can't bury this team because we've seen what this team can do. There's no point. Bury them. We, we've seen this. We've seen what they can do when people bury them. Um, they're as resilient as any team I've ever seen, as any team I've ever covered, as any team I've ever watched. They're an incredibly resilient bunch. And a big part of that was Jamal Murray. But another big part of that was Nikola Jokic and Michael Malone. And a lot of guys who are still on this team. So I'm not willing to bury these guys yet. Yeah. I mean, without getting carried away, like we've, we both said it pretty explicitly there. We don't, there's really no chance at winning a title without your second best player. And, and that's not doom and gloom. That's just being realistic. But can we do some, some, you know, optimistic perspective here? What if LeBron and AD don't look great coming back from injury and it takes them a little bit to play back into form? and the Nuggets take the MVP frontrunner into that series, right? What if they go into a, a series with a Phoenix, Utah, whoever it may be, Clippers next, and it's and it's okay, there's Barton back this time, and it's not the same as Murray, but we didn't have him, and Porter's a different player than he was last year, and Gordon's a different type of, of physical profile player than we've had. You can talk yourself into this being something less than, than miserable. And then I bring that up to say it's 2021, Tearing your ACL is not the end of your career. Um, it's devastating, but Jamal Murray will be back. And so if there's a run this year and there's something to galvanize behind and he attacks the rehab the way we all expect him to, no windows have closed yet. Um, this is one of the worst things that could have happened, but you know, no windows have closed and there's no point to, to shut this team out. There's no point. Here's another thing I thought about and another reason for some optimism and another reason why Denver still has maybe a little playoff run in them. We've seen how this team at times has maybe folded is the wrong word, but not really risen to the occasion when the lights are on them, when the pressure's on them. 
this game last night, it felt like that Clippers game from last season in the regular season when Denver just got beat down. We saw how they got down 3-1 against the Jazz and the Clippers. And Nikola Jokic said this. When they were down 3-1, they didn't have any pressure on them. All the pressure was on the Jazz. All the pressure was on the Clippers. And then Denver just started playing. Then the Nuggets just started playing free. That is really something with this team. I really do feel like it is. And now Nuggets have no pressure. They have absolutely no pressure. They have absolutely no expectations. Everybody's going to pick them to lose in the first round. They're right back as the underdog. They're right back as the dark horse that nobody believes in, that nobody's going to be picking to make a run, that everybody's going to be saying is going to be frauds in the playoffs, that everybody's going to want to say has the fakest MVP candidate of all time. Nuggets have no pressure right now, and I think they can lean into that. For sure. Absolutely. And you just lean on Jokic. You trust in Jokic. He's He's been he's been that guy, and it's different without Jamal, but they've still got Jokic, and that's the bottom line. I also think about Philadelphia. You know, the Kawhi shot bounces a million times. Ben Simmons gets hurt. Last year's playoffs, absolute dud, and there's a lot – of conversation about is it time is it and this is a team that's way further down their timeline than denver is right is it time to blow this thing up it's not working now they made a lot of changes this year bringing in more bringing in different role players um but they stuck they stuck with mb and they stuck with simmons simmons came back healthy and the sixers look really good um so you know think the, the nuggets can still i don't want to say they won't skip a beat because they will but yeah uh, they can still catch up to that trajectory they were on. And I think step one would be on the back of Jokic, on the back of Porter, having some sort of encouraging run here, whatever that looks like without Murray, and just keeping the hope, the momentum going. I think I saw a couple super chats come through here. This one from our guy, Scott Car- Carpenter. Best wishes for Jamal. Personally, it's a reminder for me to not get so wrapped up in the game-by-game I'll still have fun watching and accept it all. Look, man, this this is basketball. This is what like following a, a team religiously is all about. Injuries happen. And th- this is just one of those things that is an absolutely crushing blow. But it's something that comes with the sport. It really is. These injuries happen all the time. I mean, look at Golden State. Golden State's had back-to-back season-ending injuries from Clay Thompson. <laughs> you know? Like, this stuff is brutal. Um, and it absolutely happens. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's definitely good perspective. From Let me just be clear. I, I saw some comments there. I am not in any way advocating for the Nuggets to blow it up. I was pointing to Philly as an example of how an injury doesn't necessarily derail you. I, that, that's my point, is Denver should not panic at all, uh, as, as bummer this is. Um, to your point, Wint, um, yeah, like th- these things just happen. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of desire to place, uh, the, uh, blame right now. And I don't understand why, like, you know, whether it's the training staff, Michael Malone, you know, the NBA and the shortened schedule, we just don't have causation here definitively one way or another. Uh, and guys just get hurt. So he could have had that same injury. Maybe if he played any less minutes, any more minutes, he could have had that injury last year. He could have had it the year before. We don't know. This just happens. So, um, you know, for me, like I have seen that expressed online a lot. And it's like, 
is the kind of thing where, you know, without causation, there's no point in, in placing blame. And you just hope for Murray to recover and and just leave it at that. Yeah, I've seen that too. And look, if you want to blame Michael Malone for this injury, just like get out of this chat right now. Like that's just not what we're going to do. It's not accurate. It's bullshit if you're trying to blame Michael Malone for this injury. Um, it was a freak injury, I think. Now, it's interesting, and I put this in my article on the DNVR.com that's up right now, but Murray, it looked like, got clipped in the third quarter. I don't know if you remember this vote. He got clipped in the third quarter by Kevon Looney, and he kind of clipped his left knee. And I don't know if that contributed to him tearing his ACL in the fourth, but a couple people point, pointed that out to me, and I clipped the video. Um and it seemed like he did bang his knee there. Now, what happened in the fourth, I think that was just a freak injury. Um, I think it was just a freak injury and j- just something that happens. But it's also crazy to just think about how Denver even got in that situation because this was an 11-point game with two minutes left. <laughs> and the game probably should have been over from that point on, but – Jamal Murray being the guy he is kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. Um, And he's an absolute fighter. He's an absolute warrior. He's not the type of guy who's going to give up. And he helped get that game to within five points when he ended up tearing his ACL when it probably shouldn't have been. So it's just fun to think about that. Yeah, man. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it, it was a freak injury. Um, if he, if he finishes that layup through contact and it's an and one, it's a four point game with 50 seconds left too, you know, and that's a winnable game. So, uh, it's really easy to say all this stuff in hindsight, but, um, just a freak, just a freak injury. Just, just really unfortunate. This is a good comment from Johnny. I totally agree. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about it because a lot of big injuries to high profile players this year, Obviously, there was a rush from the NBA, and the, and the players' union agreed to this. Um, however, you want to interpret that, like as far as what comprises the players' union. Um, but the NBA wanted to get this 72 game condensed schedule in before the Olympics that never happened. And a lot of guys have gotten hurt. So that's where a lot of people are, are frustrated right now, today, and hard to blame them. I mean, there's a leg to stand on there, I'm sure. Yeah, the Olympics thing always seemed really weird and I never really bought it. I, I always thought that it was just more to get the season on track and and like back on the normal schedule. I know they said the Olympics thing, but I I just could not like put that together in my head that they were actually concerned about the Olympics. I mean, I like watching the Olympics. The Olympics are cool. I like watching team USA in the Olympics, but honestly, who really gives a shit about the Olympics? Seriously. This is the NBA season and the NBA playoffs. Um, the schedule though, right now is ridiculous. I mean, the Nuggets just played six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Nuggets just played five games in seven days. The Nuggets just played five games in seven days with a month left in the regular season after a two month off season where they've pretty much played a game every other day, like for the last four months. That is absolutely ridiculous that a team is playing five games in seven days um, at this point in the year. 
Like what, what are we even doing? Yeah, I know. And it was, you know, even before the injury, there were a lot of conclusions being drawn about the nuggets last night. Like, as if there was something to learn here about like their, their personality as a team. And it wasn't just that they were maybe exhausted, um, which they clearly were. Yeah. I don't know. Like this, a lot of, a lot of these scheduling blunders seemed avoidable. And so I, look, I don't know what the total injuries are right. Compared to last year. Like if you look at or, or years prior, whatever the average number of injuries that are that occur, like whatever the severity is, I don't know how it all stacks up if it's actually worse this year, but it sure feels like it when you look at the high profile names that have been out. Um, and it's really easy to point to that as a reason why. I mean, it, this just like blows my mind. The Nuggets played a back to back exactly a week ago, Tuesday at home against the Pistons, Wednesday at home against San Antonio. And that Pistons game, Maybe I'll actually give the NBA a little bit of a break on this one because that was the game that was postponed over the first half of the season. And I don't know why they had to fit it in there uh, to make it a back-to-back for Denver, but apparently they did. So they played a back-to-back Tuesday, Wednesday of last week, um, had a day off, then played Friday, had a day off, then played Sunday, and obviously played the back-to-back last night, the Boston-Golden State one, where they had to fly to Golden State. Um, I, I know every team's going for going through it, so I'm not trying to say like the Nuggets have a tougher schedule than anybody. But I mean, to be playing two back to backs that close to each other at this point in the year, where everybody's tired, where, where everybody's fatigued, Michael Mullen spoke about this uh, the other day pre, in the pregame. He, he's like, you can definitely feel the physical and mental fatigue weighing on these guys right now, and I'm sure it's weighing on everybody in the league. So. To have this compressed of a schedule at this point in the year, uh, it, it seems a little ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's not a Nuggets-specific issue, right? Um, and it seems to have affected every team, especially when you consider that this was going to be a sort of spread-thin year as it was for teams with with near-certain COVID absences coming, right? So uh, I don't know. It just it, – it seemed – uh, short-sighted at the time, and, and it's really easy to point that out now. I mean, look, it's not causation for sure. I, this could have happened last year. This could have happened a year before, but it's not a great look. It's not a great look for Silver in the league today. Yeah. Uh, let's take some questions from uh, the comments section. If you guys have really good questions, only really good questions, ask them, and uh, we'll put them up here and discuss. Um, Brendan, I'm going to go to this one first here. Does Bull Bull get any run now? I know everybody wants to know. This is what the chat's asking. This is what all Nuggets fans are asking right now. Um, does Bull Bull get any run? Maybe. I don't think so. I mean, I can't, I don't necessarily look at the way this the rotation shakes out and you go, okay, Bull is next man up in any of these positions, um, especially if they're going to go and try to get someone on the buyout market like Austin Rivers. Um, not that they play similar positions, just in terms of getting guys on the court off the bench. And I also don't think that that Denver is going to punt this season. You know, that's just not how they're going to approach this, nor should they. So they've got some seeding stuff to figure out. They're going to want to win some games down the stretch here. And so unless it's blowouts, I don't I don't think we see any more of Bull. Yeah, I, I don't think Bull's in the cards here. Um, look, Denver's still going to really be trying to win games and push for a top four seed. I don't think Bull helps you win games right now. I just don't. I think he needs to develop, and I don't see him getting any run. Uh, this question from David, 
does this injury really damage the Nuggets' chances of ever winning a ring with this group? This is where I'm at with like the doom and gloom thing. And this was my point with Philly, by the way. I wasn't talking about Denver blowing anything up. Your perspective can change a lot from point A to point B when point A is, is injury to star player right before the playoffs and point B is recovery. So does it affect their chances of ever winning? I want to stop short of saying that. They could, they could, Murray could come back. They could look great in the playoffs next year, however less likely it is. This year, definitely, undoubtedly so, it affects their chances. Yeah, obviously, this year, the thing that was so perfect about acquiring Aaron Gordon, though, was that it wasn't a one year or bust type deal. It wasn't right. a championship or bust type deal with Gordon. He is under contract next year. And I've spoken about this before on the podcast, but. Aaron Gordon's contract ending and Michael Porter Jr.'s rookie extension starting, those things are happening in the same year. So that works out for Denver as well. I, I think there is a slim chance if the Nuggets want to go into luxury tax, that's the big question. If they want to go into luxury tax and resign both those guys, they can absolutely run it back for two, three, four years with this group. Will that happen? We'll see. We'll see if Denver ownership views this as a uh, contending enough team to pay the luxury tax. But Denver can absolutely run it back with this group for years to come if they want to. I think Aaron Gordon likes this situation. I mean, obviously, everybody would love a situ situation when they're, when they're going from Orlando, where they made the playoffs twice in seven years, to – a Western conference contender like the Nuggets. Everybody loves that situation right when they get there and is fine with taking on a really reduced role. We'll see how he's feeling about that a year from now, two years from now. Um, but Denver still uh, like definitely has a chance to win a uh, title with this group. The the point you just made that's a real bummer is like you this could have been the audition, right? For exactly. for ownership to open up the wallet. Look at this group. They're good enough, and now, now you can't can't bring that folder of evidence forth. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, that's that's the really frustrating part. You know, Barton's got that player option. Um, things could things could change quick here, but I do want to stop short of saying, you know, that like the window's closed. Um, you know, it's just it's just not how it's just not how it works for this group at this point in the timeline for me. The window is definitely not closed, and don't think for a minute that. Tim Conley and the Nuggets for an office is going to pivot from their we don't skip steps approach even after a just debilitating injury like this. They're going to stick to the plan. They're absolutely going to stick to the plan. At least that's what I think. Um, maybe they will try to, you know, acquire like a stopgap guy going forward, looking ahead to next season. Because like I mentioned at the top of the show, when we first got on, Jamal Murray's rehab is likely going to extend into next season, but they're absolutely, at least I don't think, going to make any kind of moves that sacrifice their long-term success and their title window around the Murray-Porter-Jokic core. I don't think they will. Yeah, you stay um, the course. You stay the course. All right, before we get back to the show, guys, if you are looking to switch it up from your daily Starbucks – Check out Strava Craft Coffee. It's packed with CBD. It's really tasty. 
and it can help relieve stuff like back pain, neck pain, arthritis, IBS. CBD can help cure a lot of the aches and pains that you might be having. Check out StravaCraftCoffee.com. Use code DNVR20 for 20% off your order. You can get a Strava Craft Coffee subscription. That's what I would recommend. Get your coffee delivered every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks, and you can get 20% off that subscription at StravaCraftCoffee.com with the code DNVR20. Also, guys, basketball teams are entering the final month of the regular season, as we know all and well, and they're gearing up for the playoffs. Some teams are locked to make the playoffs. Others are still fighting for their opportunity to chase the trophy this summer. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting you in the center of the action with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. Turning $1 into $100 is actually really simple. All you've got to do is pick any basketball team to win their next game, and if during that game the team you're choosing hits a three, one three-pointer, you bring home $100 in free bets. So make sure to download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free bets if the basketball team of your choosing hits A3. That's code DNVR to turn $1 into $100 in free bets for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And it's also a great time to sign up for classes at MSU Denver Online. No joke, guys. I took a class with MSU Denver Online last summer. I hadn't been in college for a while. I didn't know if I was going to like it. I ended up loving it. I had an awesome teacher who actually worked in the field that I took my class in. She was able to work around my work schedule as well because I was working this job on the side while I was taking the class. So MSU Denver Online is a great option for every single type of student. No matter if you're a first-time freshman, maybe you're looking to just finish up a couple credits and get your degree, check out their entire course list, msudenver.edu backslash online. We're back here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Make sure to use code DNVR when you sign up. Let's get to some more questions here. When is Shaq Harrison coming to Denver? So I believe he's still on track to join the Nuggets. He wasn't in the league's health and safety protocols. He wasn't testing every day because he wasn't on a team. So he's got to produce a certain number of negative tests to officially join the Nuggets. Um, So I think that could be happening in the next couple of days or so. But it's not a surprise that he hasn't been active or with the team so far. Does he come into the fold now here um, with injuries and changes incoming? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was – Definitely thinking about how Shaq Harrison could guard Steph Curry last night when <laughs> uh, Curry was absolutely cooking Jamal Murray and really every Nuggets defender that Denver threw in front of him except for Faka Campasso for a couple possessions. I was wondering, if you look at Shaq Harrison's metrics vote, they're off the charts. His defensive metrics are absolutely nuts. I don't think a lot of people know this, but I put this in my little write-up on him when Denver – Uh, made that signing official, I think it was last week. But Shaq Harrison's defensive metrics are crazy. Not from this year, because he hasn't really played this year. He played like 20-something games with the Jazz. But from last year, his defensive metrics with the Bulls were nuts. He was third among all point guards in ESPN's defensive real plus minus. He was the number one rated defensive point guard in 538's Raptor metric. 
Um, the Bulls had a 99.7 defensive rating with him on the court last year, a 110 defensive rating with him off the court. He ranked third in the NBA in deflections. He was second in loose balls recovered, obviously in limited minutes. Um, but he projects as an elite defender. The Nuggets are really high on his defense. He, he's a mixed bag offensively, but he's flashed some some signs here and there. So I'm not expecting a ton. I, I think when Denver brought him on, he was a guy who the Nuggets brought on like as a break glass in case of emergency type guy. If Damian Lillard's really going off in a playoff series, if Donovan Mitchell's really going off, they can try him. I don't think he was expected to be in their rotation, but I mean, maybe Denver just looks for some life uh, at the end of their bench now. Yep. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, Marcus Howard. Yeah. I, I don't think he's in uh, the card <laughs> right now. <laughs> Probably not. Marcus Howard. I mean, I like the kid, but he can barely hit three pointers in garbage time right now. He did have that nasty, uh, crossover step back the other night though uh yeah he's probably not the answer to this situation though yeah probably not the uh answer um let's see here what is wrong with Jamichael green's three-point shot and overall offensive confidence with murray out he has to step up for bench scoring with monte most likely starting what do you think about Jamichael green right now uh twofold first is that you know he was shooting kind of like out of this world to start the season and yeah it should always have been expected that that would come back to earth a little um but b i would say rhythm i would say rhythm he missed that time with the injury comes back there's been a little bit of back and forth with well now there's mcgee and and who plays is it is it green or Millsap? i mean i think the biggest factor is just you can't expect him to hit half of his three-point shots like he was at one point um but rhythm I, i think rhythm is the first thing these guys would tell you especially role players who you know, it's not 30 minutes you get the ball in your hands a lot every night. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, like you said, Jermichael Green started off red hot from three at the beginning of the year. He's been really cold as of late. He's still shooting 40% from distance on the year. That's how good he was from three over like the first month or so of the season. Um, but he's going to continue to get chances because I think Denver eventually settles on the Jermichael Green, J- JaVale McGee duo as their backup four or five. I I think they'll continue to mix Millsap in there every now and then, but when push comes to shove, my prediction is that JaVale McGee and uh, Jamichael Green are getting those primary backup minutes. Um, So we'll see. He'll continue to get his chances for sure. How about this one Uh, from Mecor? Does this actually make Michael Malone a lock at staying with the Nuggets for the foreseeable future? Does the Jamal Murray injury give Malone an excuse on third quarter collapses? I'll let you take this one first. Oh, oh, thank you. Um, yeah, that was locked in already. Um, at least, I guess, depends on how you wanted to find foreseeable future, but they were going to give him a longer leash than the third quarter collapses. I mean, he's the Nuggets have improved every year uh, under his tenure. You know, they got to the conference finals last year. All the star players have a good relationship with him or at least it appears that way. Um, yeah, it was going to take something monumental. So I, I think he was safe either way. Um, but there, look, there's to some extent, there's, I guess there's an argument. There's less pressure on some individuals here for the, the short interim. Sure. I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. 
I'll also say that the constant criticizing of Michael Malone has got to stop. It, it's it's out of freaking control. It's ridiculous. It, it's absolutely ridiculous how often Michael Malone gets criticized by Nuggets fans. I mean, what does this guy have to do? Like, to be honest, he just was instrumental, at least I think, in helping the Nuggets get to the Western Conference Finals for inspiring that team, for giving them belief to overcome two, three, one deficits. I mean, what else do you want for the guy? He's handed the reins over to Nikola Jokic when Nikola Jokic was an unknown second round pick out of Serbia who like, who had some flashes during his rookie year, but was far from a surefire all-star. He gave Jamal Murray the keys as his starting point guard in his second year. We've criticized him for how he's handled Michael Porter Jr., now looking back on it, he's handled Michael Porter, Michael Porter Jr. exactly the way he should and exactly right. So stop criticizing Michael Malone. It's absolutely ridiculous. The guy's taken the nuggets just as far as George Carl did in 10 years. Like lay off Michael Malone. Yeah, he, he's not infallible. He's not above reproach, but he's he's not the he's not the reason why this team hasn't won a title yet <laughs> so I, I yeah he's held to a ridiculously high standard yeah for sure um let's see what else we got here from mark what would you think about bringing troy daniels back he was part of the bubble team would bring back some good vibes at dnvr i agree with that last part of that we could we could use some vibes huh um what well, yeah. yeah i mean look he's he's a it fits the bill, right? And the Nuggets, I think, in the past have shown a willingness to like kind of go back to some of these guys that they know they can sort of trust and bring in again, right? And and, and so, um, yeah, I mean, it's on the table, I think. Yeah, I think what Troy Daniels would have going for him um, is that the Nuggets know him. They're comfortable with him. Uh, they know how he is in the locker room. They know how he is around the organization they know he's a good culture guy um so i think that would help troy daniels get back here if uh the nuggets wanted to bring him back and look i don't think troy daniels is going to necessarily help the nuggets in the playoffs but he can shoot the heck out of the ball on paper um and maybe that's something denver would need at some point yeah there's there's no look there's there's no buyout move they could make that's going to instill any like substantial confidence here. Yeah. Uh, let us know if you guys have any more questions. Uh, we're just over an, an hour here, so we can probably start wrapping up pretty soon. Um, really the, the biggest thing, and we've hit on this a little bit, but I think we should probably go back to it. The, the biggest guy who's got to step up, and look, everybody's got to step up. Monte likely stepping into the starting lineup. He's got to step up. Um, Will Barton, he's going to have to be more consistent. Aaron Gordon, he's going to have to knock down threes. But Michael Porter Jr., all eyes are really going to be on him now. He's got to step into a bigger role in the offense. He's got to get that confidence back in his jumper. He's in a, a terrible three-game slump from three right now. I think he's going to break out of it. But – He's got to knock down shots. He's got to continue to play, you know, efficient, unselfish basketball. And he's just got to really step up. I'm fascinated to see 
what happened because it's a big test for him. And I'm excited to see just if he can kind of step into that role. Yeah, here's the fun part. Is Porter good enough to do this? Yes, 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 and then some, right? It's not like looking at – I'm trying to think of what's a fair example. I don't know, like a Pascal Siakam and saying, okay, can you really do this? Can you really be uh, by yourself, right, without the choir or whatever? Pascal's a bad example. He's a good player. You get my point. Porter's talented enough to make this happen. Um, and, And so, yeah, it's a big challenge for him, but it'll be fun watching him try to step into that. And what does that mean for him going forward? You know, is is he able to to build even more confidence? Does he enter his next NBA season, you know, with a lot of this stuff behind him, feeling really like he can move the needle in a championship race? Yeah, I think he's a star. I think Michael Porter Jr. is a star. He's kind of a star that somehow has become underrated. And it's wild because we've been hyping him up for the last year. But he's somehow become underrated. And I know he hasn't had a great last couple of games, but just – what he's done this season um, has been underrated. Like I think he's a star in the making. Maybe he's already won. Um, he's incredibly efficient on the offensive end of the floor. He's already one of the best shooters in the league. He's a great rebounder. He's the most one of the most dangerous off-ball players in the league, playing next to Nikola Jokic at six foot ten, and he's realized that this year. So this is an enormous opportunity for him, and I have a feeling. He's going to embrace it. And I go back to this quote that Will Barton had at the beginning of the season um, when Mike had gotten off to a really good start. And Will Barton was asked about Michael Porter Jr. and just if he's surprised at all about the hot streak that he was on this season, really over the last couple months. And he said no, because one of the things that always impressed him about Mike and one of the things that jumped out to him about Mike was – his professionalism and how seriously he took his craft. Like Michael Porter Jr. is a worker. A lot of people don't know this, but he's a guy who's always in the gym. You can see it in his body. He's been super consistent in the weight room. You can see it in his game. I I mean, this guy is an absolute knockdown shooter and that's not by accident. So I'm curious to see, you know, if he can step up. I think he is built for it. You know, whether he does it this year under these circumstances at age 22 certainly won't be defining, but I think he's built for it. He loves the game of basketball. He's a hard worker. And hey, the way he responded to that Malone stuff, I mean, there was so much like he's not going to want to do this. He's going to want out. He's already doesn't want to be in Denver. And like all he did was look in the mirror and say, how can I get better? Or at least that's the perspective we have. So yeah, I mean, look, I, th- I think he's got it in him to, to answer this bell for sure. I like this comment from our guy Swipa. Everyone remember, Paul George became Paul George when Danny Granger went down. That's MPJ. That's a good note. That's an interesting note right there because an ascension like that from MPJ is definitely possible. He can take his game up another, another level in these playoffs, and that's good for the Nuggets – there's also a slight downside where if that happens and look, this may already happen regardless of what Porter does from here on out, but it seems like he's trending towards a max rookie extension and Denver's going to pay him. They have to pay him. I mean, they put this much into him where, like I said earlier, Tim Conley's not going to divert from his plan. Now they're going to stick with this core. Um, 
But overall, I mean, if Michael Porter Jr. makes that leap, that's obviously a good thing for Denver, no matter uh, how much they have to pay him. And that's still a, a really good basketball team. If he does step up and answer the bell, like in the ways we're describing, it's still like a, a, a top end one, two punch. Um, you know, maybe not quite to the extent it once was. Yeah. Well, I think that's about all I got vote. Um, a tough morning for sure. Uh, an absolutely brutal morning. I can't say it was that surprising, but there was a small part of you that was wondering if maybe Denver reported just an absolutely crushing injury. Uh, they didn't. It is an absolutely crushing injury. Uh, this is honestly like outside of a Nikola Jokic injury. This is the worst thing that could have happened to Denver um, at this time. Uh, the absolute worst. I mean, Jamal Murray was a primetime player, a primetime performer, a guy who rose up on the biggest stages over the last year, and he's not going to get the chance to do that this season. So it's a tough morning, but like we've said for the last hour, there's still reason for optimism. I think there's still a chance the Nuggets can go on a run. They have the MVP. They have the best player in the league. They have a playoff-tested coach, despite what a lot of people want to say. Um, they have guys who have been in the playoffs before. So I don't think it's time to just totally count this team out. I mean, how can you count the Nuggets out after what happened last season? When their backs are against the wall, that's when they really rise to the occasion. When they have the pressure off of them, that's when they play super free. So I'm excited. Part of me is, is kind of excited to see what happens. I'm not going to lie. Excited to see how they respond, what Porter does. You know, where I'm bummed right now is, again, just to reiterate, it's just like mostly for Jamal, who I think earned another opportunity to get back out there, more than earned it, and and try to get it done again. So hoping for a swift recovery. Uh, this is a guy who has wanted to be the best, has said that out loud more than once. And so you can expect him to do what he needs to do to, to get back as soon as he can. Um, and don't give up on the Nuggets. I mean – they're going to stay the course. And I think you should too. Not that anyone needs me to tell them how to fan, but um, you know, no windows have closed. Definitely. Thanks for tuning in guys. Uh, we had a ton of you in the show, a uh, ton of you in the comment section. So appreciate you coming on and hopefully we um, calmed some nerves, gave some hope. Uh, but <laughs> the regular season goes on. Uh, the Nuggets play the Miami heat tomorrow night. So um We'll see what happens there. Hey, keep it locked to thednvr.com. Uh, we'll have a new podcast coming out as well, uh, the DNVR Nuggets podcast. You can find that on Spotify. You can find that on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from. And also check out our written content on thednvr.com as well. Talk to you guys later. Before we get out of here, guys, if you're not signed up for Hassle Cattle Company, man, are you missing out? Uh, right now at Hassle Cattle Company, DNVR listeners can get 10% off with the code DNVR10 at HassleCattleCompany.com. And all orders over $200, you get free shipping as well. Hassle Cattle Company delivers anywhere in the USA. So even if you're listening to this somewhere other than Colorado, which a lot of our listeners are, uh, they will ship to you. Hassle Cattle Company, they've got the best Wagyu beef around. They call their beef the blue-collar Wagyu, and they've got everything. They've got New York Strip, 
beef bacon, Wagyu Frank. They've got Wagyu smoked sausage. They've got even jerky flavors. Uh, they've got everything. And you can get delivered right to your door. Head to HassleCattleCompany.com. Use the code DNVR10 for 10% off your order.